They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. As we motor along here on this Wednesday edition, hope you're well wherever you might be. Going to be an absolutely gorgeous day here in the hood. Thanks again. Hour two, Keon Brown and uh, John Shep, head baseball coach at Virginia Tech. Great stuff from Coach as they get ready to take on the Thundering Herd a little bit later on this afternoon. Coming up right now, however, at this time, as is always the case, it's time for Bill Roth and the Roth Report. From the talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, it's time for the Roth Report, presented by the University Club of Virginia Tech, Blacksburg's premier private club and event venue. Now, along with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer and current ESPN broadcaster, Bill Roth, here's Rick Watson. Good morning, William. How are you, my friend? Oh, good morning to you. We've got Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. We've got Tech softball and baseball both ranked (laughs) in the top five. What could we talk about today? I know, right? There's so much going on. Nice to be with you, you, man. You as well. And Coach Chef was great. We just had him on and uh, love the attitude he has with that team. They're not nearly done. You know, I love it. They're attacking every game as a new opportunity. You know, it's funny. the, The word attack is great. When you watch that pitching staff pitch, they really go after people. They really go after batters, and they're playing with such confidence right now. It's yeah, interesting to watch and see how how long they can ride this wave. Well, speaking of waves, uh, the NCAA is about to go through a tsunami, I think, coming up uh, with everything going on yesterday. Uh, Gene Smith, what he had to say at the Big Ten meetings. I mean, we've had coaches that are speaking out against what's going on. I mean, uh, how's this thing, in your opinion, uh, starting to look like it may shape up, or do we not have a clue? I thought Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post, who's one of America's great sports columnists, had one of the best columns ever, that the biggest negative or the most damaging thing that Mark Emmer did as president of the NCAA is make it look like, A, it's not fixable, and B, the association or or its membership is incapable of fixing any of this. And I do think that there will be what Gene Smith mentioned, he's the Ohio State Athletics Director, is that college football basically gets run under its own umbrella, and he suggested the college football playoff run it. Every year, it seems, there's a, there's a step towards a fracture, a step towards a reorganization, and clearly that will happen at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Because, right, right. Because not only, and we've said this all the time, because some schools with athletics budgets in the $200 million range and, and the, the rules that they play under, 
what they are allowed to do or what they're allowed to do for their student athletes um, is completely different from a, a, a Division One school with a budget that might be a, a quarter of that or, right. or, or worse. So, and I, and I think athletic directors on both sides would agree with that, right? Oh, no question about it. Why is UNC Asheville following the same rule as Texas A&M or mm-hmm. Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Sure. But the football, the football thing is very interesting, and so is NIL. Things are crazy right now in where you've got these um, groups, professional groups, that are serving as recruiting agents for the university. And, you know, the NCAA, and we've, we've piled on over the last six, eight months, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, could have, could have put something in place. It waited for Congress. That never happened, and now it's Wild West is the easy metaphor here, but it's it is uh, a situation where you've got some boosters that are clearly coming up with pay-for-play schemes for players. Uh, and even if the university didn't want to be involved in something like this, it would almost be impossible to stop. In other words, I was reading the other day where Coach Calipari, Kentucky, says we're not going to do any NIL thing for anybody. Well, it's not really up to Cal. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because Just- if a player does want something, good – Right, we I think we all agree, right? Good, good for that soccer player if, if he or she can make something on the side, right? Yes, good yeah. for that baseball player. Absolutely, I'm on a full ride anyway. Right? Absolutely, well, you, sure. You're on a third of a scholarship at pick your uh, pick a private school that's good at baseball that's got high tuition. Davidson, Vander- yeah, Davidson, there Vanderbilt. You there you yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. Well, college scholarships eighty grand a year, right? Total mm-hmm. cost of attendance. You're you got a you got a quarter scholarship, so you, they they pay you twenty. Where's the other 60 coming yeah, from? That's right. Right? So at schools like Miami or Vanderbilt, sometimes the family's paying for that. So why shouldn't they be allowed to get some on the side? I think we all get that, regardless of sport. But I don't think anyone is comfortable with 800 or a million or two million bucks a year going to a player or to a current great player who could then transfer to another school. And so this Jordan Addison case yeah. is really the most interesting to me. Uh, last week, we saw a basketball player at Miami come out and say he wants more yeah, uh-huh. because two of the newcomers were going to make eight hundred a year, 800000 a year in, in NIL money to transfer to Miami. Um, so that's not good representation on the part of the, <laughs> of, the, of the agents or the NIL organizers for those two players to make it public, I don't think. But the Jordan Addison thing is, is I mean, that hurts the ACC. This, you could argue that he's the one of the biggest named players coming back in the mm-hmm. fall, and and certainly the best receiver in our conference. And initially, it looked like it was SC or nowhere else, and now we hear other schools are also in the mix here. Bill Roth in the Roth Report here on BDST. And what did you think of Coach Narduzzi? The tampering part of that, I wanted to ask you about. I mean. It seems like right now, as you said, the NCAA, with their lack of foresight, didn't do anything when they could have. Is it really anything goes, or is there such thing as a tampering now if they're using the NIL to try to bait this kid to go somewhere else? Well, I don't know that it is tampering. I don't either. I don't either. You know, the the quarterback at SC is a personal friend. They grew up together. And this happens all the time, man. This happens all the time. Two kids go to high school together in basketball or AAU ball or whatever it is, and they stay in touch. I think one of the the things that surprised me the most, um, sometimes being on team buses, was the relationship between players that had played together previously at other schools. Right. Right. You you, you are tight with your current teammates, but 
if you went to a, a prep school or you're really tight with somebody on another team, um, you remember last year you heard about all the, the ACC quarterbacks, the top guys, and there was a bunch of them had their own little text chain? Yeah, right. Talking all the time. They have something in common, right? There's pressure to win. They got quarterback coaches that are maybe screaming at them, right? Or, you know, <laughs> That's right. Social media fans. You know, yeah, you lose yeah. a game. You're, you know, but so they they have someone to talk with. There's a relationship there between players, even if they're on competing teams. And so I could I could see that happening without a coach being involved. Now, now, is it in? You know, SC has good receivers. It doesn't need Jordan Addison. Yeah, they are loaded. Yeah, they are loaded. But he may be the best receiver in the country. <laughs> well, that's true too. There you go. So you find so, room for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that that would be, that would be a crusher for Pitt. It and, would and for Narduzzi. But if you're if you're the kid, you go. You know what? Kenny Pickett went to the NFL. We're going to be a run first team. Pitt returns all of its linemen. Pitt's going to be probably the pick to win that division. Well, if Addison stays for sure, but they don't have their sixth year quarterback. That, that threw every perfect pass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. So you could see why he would listen to a high school buddy who's a quarterback for the USC Trojans. And you spend a lot of time throwing and catching with each other. I, if you're Narduzzi, you're probably upset also, right? Oh, yeah, certainly. But again, it's hard to blame any of the players for this. No, it's. I agree. You can't blame the student athletes, and you know, in Pitt, it's ironic their new quarterbacks has coming from SC too. So there's a lot of connections there with SC and Pitt right now. Some good, not so good. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be nuts, and that's going to be a huge, huge case. If he goes somewhere else, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he feels pressure not to go to USC now. With everything that was made, but um, we'll find out here sooner than later. It looks like. It's Bill Roth and the Roth Report. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're rolling along here on this Wednesday. We still have the SMA update to get to. Bill's game of the week. I don't know where he's going to go. As he mentioned, we've got uh, the hockey playoffs, the association, Major League Baseball, and then we'll get into Bill's top three. All that's coming up. The Roth Report here on a Wednesday with Bill Roth. Stay with us. Don't go away. From the classroom to the studio, to the stadium. It's time to catch up on the latest from Virginia Tech Sports Media and Analytics program. Today's SMA update is brought to you by First in Maine, Blacksburg's premier destination to eat, drink, shop, and play. It is the Roth Report here on BDST, and we're winding down the semester for everybody, including the folks in the SMA. Do you remember the last day of classes for the summer? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I did. It, it, it was uh, the Spark of the Beatles song, School's Out for Summer. Yes, absolutely. Today is the last day of classes <sighs> at Virginia Tech this semester. <laughs> Today. How about that? Uh, it's incredible. It is, yeah. We're in exam week now at Radford. It's here, Exam's man. Now, yeah, yeah. yeah. School's not out for summer just yet, but it's close. And starting next two weeks are... Young men and women go off to uh, different teams. We're going to have, as it turns out, 14 of our students broadcasting Summer League Baseball games. Very cool. Summer. Number goes up every year. Including Andy Losey and Kevin DiDomenico, who are over in Salem, calling all the Salem Red Sox games. Mm-hmm. I love it that these are undergraduates that, that are spending time in baseball press boxes, radio booths, dugouts, batting cages, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And as you said, you talked about this the last year. I think you had a couple of kids go out. They had, what, opportunity to go out west. You're like, yes, you go. And it's an experience that you'll look back on and say that may have been one of the most important important steps of the development once they get out of school. They come back as better broadcasters and better people, right? Because most of them live with a host family. Right. Which is what the players do in these leagues. Uh, so you're all the way in South Dakota or uh, Iowa or Minnesota and – you're learning all about what it's like as, as a college kid to, to live somewhere else and be part of a baseball team every day. Mm-hmm. But not, not just for fun, right? Because, of course, it's fun, but it's work every day. And in those levels of baseball, as you know, there's every imaginable assignment. We've had our students asked to dress up as the mascot. <laughs> right. I, I vividly remember uh, Bailey up in Erie telling me about he had to dress up as the team's mascot. Uh, Joey, Joey Troncalli was down in, um, oh my goodness, Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And 4th of July, and they, they, they had such a crowd in Pensacola, beautiful stadium, brand new at the time, right on the water. And they called him out of the radio booth to, to help cook chicken tenders. <laughs> Here's the 2-2 pitch. Hang on, i got to turn my tenders. <laughs> he missed the rest of the game. Uh, well, you know how it is, whether it's pulling the tarp or... Um, oh, yeah, you know, did that many times at Pilates. Go pick up somebody yeah. at the airport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, like, this guy just got called up or sent down. Um, or he's going up, take him to the airport. Maybe now they use an Uber. Yeah, now that I think about it. Totally when I was doing baseball, so. I remember... Yeah, you'd see that, things like that. We need to pick someone up at the airport and save the taxi. <laughs> That's right. Jump in the car and go. <laughs> do you ever have to do anything? What you would look back as menial? Now you look at it and go, "Man, that was fun." Uh, for me, it's for me. It was getting air under under a tarp. Yes, like yeah, three that, or four in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a couple of those two a.m. tarp pulls were always get it. You had to get it down because of the rain the next day. Yeah, that that's always a big challenge because everybody's already tired. So, but you realize right. so much fun, so much. Well, very cool. But I, I I got a feeling your students probably don't like it when the semester ends, right? They're having so much fun throughout the year, learning so many different things. Well, in you know, the, there's more classes than just mine. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've really enjoyed – this was a great year for those people, whether they went to New York to call the ACC tournament when Tech won. I mean, there were just so many amazing things that happened this year. For, for that group specifically, yeah. they got to do some things that yeah, no, no Tech students before ever had that chance. Well, looking at the game of the week, you got a lot of choices. I've had a couple of listeners go, hey, who's Bill like in the Derby? I think they're wanting betting advice for the oh. – <laughs> mm. That's going to have to be a new segment of our show. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're exactly right. <laughs> so last week, last week I said, hey, this, this Celtics-Milwaukee Bucks series is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, well, there's a lot of Caps fans out there, and they're playing Florida. That series is going to be amazing. Big win last night, too. Wow. And then the Pittsburgh-New York game one goes triple overtime last night. Mm-hmm. So trying to trying to project which NBA or NHL-specific game is the game of our of the week, that's really hard. It really is. Because you don't know in advance. But I will say that the, the series I just mentioned, if you watch the Bucks celtics by the way, Boston played amazing again. They stepped up, yeah. So that series is 1-1. Yeah, those two hockey series, the um, TV guy for the Caps actually called me on something else last week and we were talking. He says, I think we can beat Florida. 
I think we can beat Florida. And uh, they won game one last night. So these are all best of seven series. Mm-hmm. Nothing like hockey playoffs either, man. Oh, so good. So, so good. So the Caps are up one nothing. Pittsburgh's up one nothing. Um, Boston and Milwaukee are tied 1-1. Yeah. Memphis and Golden State is just so much fun to watch, too. That is, man, good pull. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch that game last night. I, I saw Memphis won. Yeah. Give, give me a, t- a five-second recap. Well, it, they uh, down the stretch they made shots they didn't make. They should have won. They should have won both down in Memphis, but they let the lead get away and they were able to stop Kerr. It was it was it was them stepping up, knowing they had to at least get one at home to kind of. Yeah, make I saw Barkley say that what Curry and Thompson were six of forty four yeah. from three point range. Yeah, they defended out, but much better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that ain't happening again. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, lesson you know, learned. it's funny. It's the, the I was thinking actually last night like. There's no way this could be a be- the best goalie in the world in hockey plays for the Rangers. Right. I mean, he made that game went triple overtime last night. He made seventy two saves Incredible. in one game. Yeah. There's some there's some great action right now. So yeah, watch those series. Yeah, just watch them all. Hey, before we get into your top three, I got to ask you: being a Pittsburgh sports guy your whole life, I mean, what do you think about Kenny Pickett, the hometown guy? The decision they made uh, that they didn't make back in '83 with Dan Marino. I don't know, but I having broadcast games that both he and Matt Corral played in. That's so great point. You've seen them both up close. You know, but I wasn't at the combine, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't in meetings. But um, if, I think if Matt Corral had played for Pitt, the Steelers might have taken Matt. Mm-hmm. How's that? I, I think I agree. I think he's kind Which of. There's nothing against Kenny Pickett, but no, 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 no. You don't know how quarterbacks develop. Right, right. They didn't. The NFL people obviously didn't think a whole lot of this year's quarterback class. No, no. I was a little surprised to see Willis fall as far as he did as well, and Corral. Because I'm with you. I think he's kind of getting undersold a little bit because he played in the RPO. Well, Pickett throws a great deep ball, but it, it, you know, he was how old was he? He was his sixth year. He was 24. Mm-hmm. And he's being compared against guys that are a couple years younger. Right, right. You know, but, you know, you had a great coach in Whipple. The NFL terms were there. So having when, when we do games, they put us up with coordinators and we talk about stuff. So Pittsburgh ran a lot of pro um, terminology in its right. system. Okay. And I'll be curious. That's what happens when you bring an NFL guy in, and that's what the Hokies have now. An NFL mm-hmm. guy is the offensive coordinator. Do you run – College terms, or do you use NFL terms? Right, right. That'll be a good question to ask. It will be. It will be. All right, so watch them all is basically Bill's game of the week, and I would agree. Time now, though, to get Bill's top three, brought to you by the NRV Heart Clinic. Three, two, one. Are you ready for today's countdown? It's time for Bill's Top 3, presented by New River Valley Heart Clinic in Radford. All right, and I have no idea which way you're going on this, so this is, these are the most fun. It is, I don't, but we're not doing like donuts or money or music today or <laughs> right. that type of thing. Best donut in Des Moines. We're not doing Darn. that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've never been. Have you ever been? I have not been to Des Moines. That's one of the four or five states I haven't been to, Iowa. You've never been to Iowa? I have never been to Iowa. Hmm. Yeah. Never been to Iowa. At least not on purpose. <laughs> <right? laughs> exactly. I may have accidentally driven through for a second. I yeah. was great. Yeah. No, we've, Hokies played the Hawkeyes in their arena once. That's right. That's exactly black right. Black and gold. Lots of black and gold. Oh, no question. 
So anyway, uh, the, the Des Moines probably a it's a Krispy Kreme town. I bet. Yeah, I would say you're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Totally off kilter here. So the Mets and Yankees have the best records in the in baseball. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Absolutely. One month in. So, first of all, not a surprise for the Yankees. Uh, the Mets, who knows what will happen. You know that they, the Mets always get tease their people. But, but the Mets are in first place, and the Jets had a great ga- draft. And so people seemingly are fans of those two teams, so they're happy this week. But my top three today, uh, as presented by the uh, NRV Heart Clinic, since the Mets and Yankees at the moment have the best two records in their respective leagues, the top three one city World Series. Oh, okay. Very cool. This will be good. Very good. Now, in 06, the uh, Cubs and, and White Sox played, and in 89, 1989, the Giants and A's played. But they, they don't make my top three. Oh, okay. Well, this will be good then. All right. Looking forward 1944, to 1944, mm-hmm. St. Louis Browns and St. Louis Cardinals played at the Oh, the St. Louis Browns. Lots of Hall of Famers on both sides. In 2000, the Mets and the Yankees did play in the World That's Series. That's right. That's exactly right. Big, big. So, I mean, that was so big when it hit. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do. I do. It was a massive media. Th- something that I can't foresee baseball recreating now in terms of its attention. But Well, and then number one, they've played in the World Series six times when Brooklyn, when the Dodgers were in Brooklyn, the, the Yankees and Dodgers. Yeah. Especially in the yeah. mid-50s. And that is credited with really helping grow – the explosion of baseball interest in that time. Yes. That the best teams were in New York. The mm-hmm. Giants-Yankees played once. Right. Uh, World Series, too. Uh, but six times um, with, you know, Robinson on one side and all those great Dodgers oh, making amazing plays. And, yeah. of course, the, those were the elite Yankee teams, too. So, hard to pick one. 56-57 both went seven games. So, maybe those are the t- top ones. But Yankees-Dodgers World Series. I would is, agree. Is top. Yeah. But it yeah. could happen this year. It could. It could. Maybe we'll twenty two years later it'll it'll rekindle. We'll see. Great fans in both cities, clearly. Yeah, it was Brooklyn Dodgers. My dad's favorite team was the Brooklyn Dodgers. Sandy Amaros was his favorite player. You know, it's funny, you couldn't <laughs> like both. No, no. One and out. Yeah. You either like the Blanc the guy the Bronx Bombers or the kids from Flatbush, right? The yes. Thing, yes. Know. You couldn't you couldn't say you had an affinity that for river. <laughs> river was a big divide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh well, great stuff, man. Uh, a lot of fun today, as always, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. You too, buddy boy. Always good to see you every Wednesday. You too, man. You too. Take care, brother. There you go. That's uh, Bill Roth in the Roth Report. Good stuff. He's right. Yeah, you can't have both. It's either Brooklyn or it was uh, the Yankees. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back as we roll along here on the Wednesday edition. More coming up. Stay with us. Don't go away. <laughs> 